We're going to do something we haven't done uh, ever. It's a, and I think it's going to be an awesome way to start worship. Because when you start to sing in a minute, you're going to really see why you should be singing. So about a year ago, I'm going to move through this as fast as I can. About a year ago, we all stood before you on August 22nd, almost a year ago. And we said, hey, we believe that God is calling us to set sail. And so we showed you, I remember we had that big sail over there, and we kept the sail up all the time in the worship center, and we had that big sail. And we talked a lot about that God makes the wind blow, but we have to raise the sail. We have to meet him, and we have to do our part. And so I looked back. We, we casted a big vision of it wasn't complete. It was as far as we could see ahead, which was about a year and a half. Right out of COVID, you know, we're a year, a year and a half out of COVID, and we're like, okay, what, where do we go next? And, and I went back about a month ago, and I said, I wonder how we're tracking with all that. And I was stunned at all that we, all of us, everybody, all that we had accomplished. You know, I'm going to share that. We're in the middle of a church series. There's no better time to talk about that. And on a day today where we're going to be talking about some new missions initiatives. So we talked about setting sail. We gave you mile markers. We said we, we, we can see only so many mile markers. And the first mile marker that we asked our congregation to do was eliminate the debt, right? And so we said, let's eliminate the debt. And let me tell you something. Maybe the proudest moment I've ever had at Clearview Baptist Church was watching our church vote to trust the trustees. Because A, that really wasn't even in our processes. There's no language like that. But we were getting so many offers on our land that we said, we need, to, we need to be proactive, not reactive. And so all of you said, you know what? Let's trust the trustees and set them free. Because y'all, as soon as we did that, we had a list of offers like that long. Okay? It was fascinating. And Phil Cantrell has led that whole thing with our trustees. And let's just tell Philip thank you this morning. Thank you, Philip. Um, Listen, like, he's done that as a church member, and if he sent us an invoice, we could not pay it. Um, it's amazing the consulting he's done for us for free. And so we began to eliminate the debt, and so we have a, obviously a contract on our land. The Lord has done miracle after miracle, and, you know, I'm, I'm praying that I think within the next six months, we're gonna, that thing's going to be gone forever for the first time in our church's history. For the first time. Amen. For the first time in our church's history, we're going to be debt-free, baby. And I'm going to tell you, I got some plans for a celebration. And I haven't even told our staff about it, and y'all just better get ready because uh, it's going to be way different. They're going to talk about us, but that's all. Sorry. Um, then we're going to after the after that mile marker two, we're going to tithe. We're going to tithe off that because we believe that we, as a church, we should tithe. We should tithe our profit on this, and so we're going to we're going to work with our finance team, and our staff's going to work with them, and we're going to bless some ministries somewhere, and we're going to bless them big, baby. It's going to be neat to see. So we're going to tithe on that. Mile marker number three we presented to you last year was we need to strengthen our foundations. We uh, we have we have two specific ways we wanted to strengthen our foundations in FY22. One was a lot of our, we had our, a lot of campus issues. Uh, we had an audit done about four or five years ago on our buildings, and they were pro prophetic about all the issues we faced with our buildings because buildings age too. And so we, uh, we had to strengthen some stuff to help us continue to do some ministries and like fire sp uh, sprinkler systems and all kinds of stuff like that. We, we were really behind in some technology that we really needed, and COVID showed the whole world of, of churches how important technology was. And so... We got some, we're, in fact, we're about to, moving into my second part of that, uh, strengthen our foundations with our facility, but strengthen our foundations in digital missions. Those were the two big areas. And in digital missions, 
We, are, we have done so much in the last year. You, you would be surprised. We just launched a, a new web platform. doesn't look a lot different to you, but it's way better, and it works better. And on top of that, we're about to change the philosophy behind how we do live stream. Because when, I, you know, when all of us were young in church, people came to church for the, you know, to see church as a guest. Now they watch online for a few months. That's just the, it's the new front door. And so we're having to really look at that. So that was mile marker three. And we've done all of that. We've spent a lot of money and put a lot of time into getting better. So we honored that commitment. Here's, and here's the next three mile markers that we did. The number, number four was go to, the, go to the next one. Yeah, we're going to set sail. Mile marker number five, sorry. Mile marker number five, we gave you three big ways that we wanted to see all of us raise our sails so God can make the wind blow in 2022. First one was set sail with my presence. The second one was set sail with my money. We were asking you to, to step up with your money. And, and then the third one was to set sail with my soul. Okay, so let me talk to you about presence. Those were the big three. How are we going to set sail with our presence? This is really exciting, you guys, because we can give money all day. But you know what? So does the Kiwanis Club. So does the Red Cross. So does the United Way. People can give money for all kinds of things. We do things in Jesus' name. And so we wanted to see how can we make that happen with our actual presence. So we're going to talk more about that here at the sermon time. We have an initiative we call here at Give Us Franklin. We call it Give Us Franklin. And it started out as a prayer. It's a prayer that we're asking God, hey, give us our town. Well, that prayer kind of morphed into a vision of God, give us our town, set us free. I don't have the kind of time this morning to go over the last 12 months of all that our church has done to be community active. I'm just going to pick, I cherry picked a few of them that are super cool. Let me show you a picture. This is our school resource officers, right? That's John and Kim and Jamie, one of our KGI uh, residents, and there were some other staff members there. And we've given our SRO, we, we have had a really unique opportunity with our law enforcement and with our Department of Child Services in our town. And so SRO, Kim, go back, keep go back to the law enforcement. Kim, that, that was recent, right? It was this past Thursday was an example. And I think it was the first time all the SROs had been in the same room in, in a year. So for us to be front and center and to show the love of God to them and say, hey, we see you, we notice you, we know what you do, it matters what you do. Y'all, that's a big deal that the church is engaging its town that way. Here's another way, Department of Child Services. Right here in the room that you're sitting in, Department of Child Services, I, I have never seen a relationship form like the one we have with DCS. These are the people on the front lines that are literally having to protect children from abuse and abandonment and neglect. We feed their leaders. That's, that's all of their re, uh, re, leaders in Middle Tennessee and sometimes even in the whole state. It depends on what they're doing that day. But we've more than once, we've had their entire leadership in this room giving them food, telling them we're here for you, we, we want to work with you, we want to help you. And so DCS is now coming to us because we're putting, look, Clearview Baptist Church is putting beds under kids' heads. We're doing all kinds of things to put clothes on their body. I mean, we are literally loving them. And DCS is coming to us now to say, hey, can, can you, isn't that cool? Let's give the Lord a hand for that. That, that really matters. Yeah. So... As I looked back, one of the things that I wanted to do, uh, when we hired Vicki Stiles several years ago, our facilities director, I said, Vicki, 
Vicky's got the hardest job in the church, y'all. I'm telling you. Be nice to Vicky, okay? Please. Uh, you don't realize the air was out this morning. You don't feel that bad, do you? No, it's because, you know, th- th- this lady it does this hard work, man, what she does. And, and uh, it's very hard work. And, but when we hired Vicky, I said, Vicky, I know that most church facilities operators want to keep their campus and keep people out. Don't take this job if that's you. Because I want to use our building as much as we possibly can for the community. As, and I know that's got limits and that's got constraints. And I told her, I said, I'm going to drive you crazy with this. But, but I want to use our building. And she said, okay. And so it's really hard. People ask us all the time. But I want to show you, this is just a small part. This is, this is how much we've used our campus this year in the last 12 months. Go to that. We've had 18 separate companies and organizations use this campus and there's been 15 single events separate from that. And there's groups that meet here every week from the community. Every, almost every day, somebody from the community is using Clearview Baptist Church. Friend, that's a win. That's a huge win um, in, in our town. I'm telling you, man, it's exciting. I, 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 love, I know that sounds like numbers. That, I've never served a church that uses its building as much as we do. I love it, man. I love it. And... Uh, you know, and if you ask to use it, we're going to treat you just like we would anybody else. So don't ask for special favors. All right, I don't get them. You're not getting them. Right? I asked for something, and I got here's the price, and I went, "Yep, that's exactly the way it should be." Thank you. You know, um, so I want to tell y'all about something you haven't heard about at all. Um, I believe that I, I really do. This sounds good, but I really do mean it. I don't think it's fair for me to ask you to use your talents and use your purposes without me doing it. I, I don't think I should ask you to do something I'm not willing to do. And so, um, you know, I, one of the things that I love, I, we've been telling you guys forever that we've built our whole men's ministry around this, built it around discovering your purpose, take what you love, because if you love to play golf, you have a whole tribe of lost people around you. You have a whole tribe of people that don't know Jesus that you play golf with. Sometimes I think we overthink it. Like, whatever you love to do, there's a whole people group around that that love it too, right? Well, one of the things y'all probably don't know around me, I know my body doesn't look it, but I really love beach volleyball. And I've played it since I was in 18, 19. Some of y'all laughed. I don't like, I appreciate that. Um, yeah. Look, I've got great abs, okay? It's just that, you know, that six-pack, the, 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 the plastic ring that holds them together, it, it broke. And, and I don't know, they moved around. But... But one of the things that, that I've, I, even since I was 18, 19 years old, used to travel around on the golf and play a lot. And in my, in, uh, so some of y'all have been praying for my injury. That's where it came from. At least it wasn't from kicking the dog or something, you know. Um, but last year I went to Kim and I said, Kim, I, I want to raise, my, I want to do something to help the Department of Child Services. But I want to reach a tribe. And so I want to host a volleyball tournament. I've never done that in my life. So we, so we kept it kind of quiet. We hosted the Clearview Invitational, mainly because, you know, I knew that many of y'all weren't into that. But this, is a, this was a, a high-level tournament. I mean, we brought in professionals. I mean, it was pretty crazy what happened there. So we had the Clearview Invitational. And this was the cool thing that happened. We made some mistakes along the way. We, we learned a lot along the way. But I want to tell you, we, we asked all the players, here's what we're asking you to do. We're asking you to, don't, to, to raise your own money. So you know how like people, when they go and do a 5K, they say, hey, will you sponsor me per mile? We kind of use that same idea. If you'll sponsor me as a player, and then they just gave the money to Clearview. 
And, and then we took that money and we used it for Department of Child Services. And it was a really unique way of doing it. But I want to tell you what we did. After expenses, we raised $12,000. Okay? $12,000. Now, let me tell you what's cool about that. Okay? Yeah, you can clap. After expenses. But let, let me tell you what's cool about that. That wasn't church people that did that. That number is representative. By my count, 17 out of the 24 players weren't believers. And for the first time in my life, I talked to the finance committee about it. I said, I don't know how we do this. I don't, I'm not smart enough to figure this out. But for the first time ever, the church is always trying to get people to partner with the church. We had non-believers wanting to help us and raising money to help us. Why? Because you put a cause in it. We put a, and so we gave a Bible. We, gave, we, we had a gift bag. And we put a Bible, a nice, not just some little Bible. We, I mean, Robert Biedenbaugh helped us with this. We put a nice NIV, like, big Bible. In, in, it's, I, if, by my estimation, most likely it's the only Bible that any of them have, right? It was, it was an amazing thing. But let me tell you, even cooler what happened with Give Us, this Give Us. This was a Give Us Franklin initiative. So that picture right there is indicative of something that happened. You see right there in the dead center, you see a uniformed police officer. And a guy to his right, you see in a black shirt, he's a detective with Nolensville PD. They called us and they said, hey, we hear you guys help Department of Child Services a lot. They said, we do. Kim said, we absolutely do. And they said, well, we have a problem. They said, we, we don't have enough money for a software system that helps us catch child predators. There's a software package that Brentwood has, and they do help us use it sometimes, let us use it, but it's theirs, and we don't, we can't, we don't want to be a burden to them. But if we had this software, we, could, we think we could expedite how we, how we catch child predators online. It's state-of-the-art, right? So we took $5,000 of that $12,000, and we bought Nolensville PD, the software, along with Church of the City helped out with another component of that. And so they came and they gave, they gave Kim and the, the Church of the City lady uh, that was there doing the same thing. And, and that's how we, we, we gave money to catch child prayer. Isn't that cool? I mean, that is the coolest thing, man. I love it. I love it. Um, and that's all, that, y'all did that, right? We did that as a community. I'm going to give you, that was just, I could keep going, man. That, I just picked like four or five of the top ones. There's just so many. But I wanted you to see that we put our, our money uh, in our presence. We asked for your presence, right? The second thing we asked for was your money. We said, uh, we want you to set sail with, with your money. Let's go to mile marker six. Yeah. And so we, the, a specific way we asked you to do that this year was that we asked you to help us launch something called Kingdom Growth Institute, right? Kingdom Growth Institute is a residency model. One of the things that I struggle with my whole ministry, when I was 24 years old, I pastored my first church. I didn't know anything, and they knew I didn't know anything, right? I mean, I'm not kidding either. You know, I mean, God bless those poor people in Texas, right? I mean, it, um, I'm telling you, man, it was really bad. And, but so we have these residents now. We wanted to start a residency model so that sometimes we hire them and sometimes we ship them, all right? Hopefully our goal is to ship more than we hire. But we want to look up one day, and if a church in Iowa needs a student pastor, hey, we got one graduating in a year. Or hey, a church somewhere in Florida needs a worship pastor, hey, we got one graduating in two months. We, that's our ultimate dream. It may take us a few years to get there, but that's our ultimate dream with Kingdom Growth Institute. Right now, you've got five people in KGI. 
Okay, you've got Graham leads it. You've got Zach Ray back there. You've got Jamie, Emma, Molly, and Noah, right? That was some game they played. I didn't get invited to that and didn't really want to go either. Sounds like it was pretty, pretty aggressive to break out of some crazy jail deal. But that's, that's the most recent picture. But let me tell you what that is, you guys. That is the millennial generation. And not only are, you know, most churches say they want to reach millennials, we're actually hiring them. We're actually doing something to put that into motion more than just lip service. And let me tell you what your church did. All of you, we went to finance and we said, hey, how do we do this? Finance committee committed $200,000 to help get that moving forward. Now, we've got a lot of things to figure out. We're literally with Kingdom Growth Institute, we are literally building the plane while we fly it, okay? We're building the plane while we fly it, man. We're going to make a lot of mistakes. There's going to be a lot of curves. We're going to change gears. We haven't figured it all out yet, but your finance team is working really hard with your staff because this thing is so important. It is the next generation of ministers. We want ministers to be healthy, happy, and whole so when they step into service, they're not just bombarded with everything. They need, it's just like a medical residency. You know, you got your academic education, but then you got to deal with people, right? And that's hard sometimes because we're all part of the solution. We're all part of the problem. Right? So that's, it's just reality. And so we want them to be on good footing. So we are doing great with KGI. And I just want to say thank you on behalf of all of these residents. You are making a difference in giving them a place to figure out their calling. And I love that we're doing that. So here's the, the, the last one. We talked about setting sail with my soul. Last year we told you that it was important that our congregation find deliverance. We sat in a room. And we said, what, what is it that's holding our congregation down? What is it that's plaguing spiritually our congregation? And, we, and, and our staff began to mention real-time situations like divorce, addiction, idolatry, materialism. We began, you know, all, all, we, all kinds of things. And we went, realized it was bondage. And so we, we instituted back in February, January and February, a thing called Keys to Freedom. It was a Bible study. Keys to Freedom is about freedom ministry. It's not a one-and-done thing. This is a, a, about a seven- to eight-week Bible study that we put into play as just one tool among many of how we can see real-life change to help you overcome anything you might face. It's about real-time discipleship of how do you take the Word of God and apply it to your marriage? How do you apply it to your shame? How do you apply it to your divorce 10 years ago? How do you apply it to your current issue right now with your teenage daughter? How do you apply it to your marriage? How do you apply it to the way you see your career? We, it, it, was, it was super potent. And the stories that came out of that were electric. In fact, um, August or February 27th, we had a, um, a freedom celebration night. Had about 120 some odd people in this room. It lasted more than two hours, and it was just testimony after testimony after testimony of people that were saying, "Man, I God delivered me in this way through this study, and God has shown me uh, this through freedom." And and I just want you guys to know, like, that's not going to stop. We're going to keep doing that. We're going to, freedom ministry is, is a part of what it means. Jesus said, you know, if, if the sun sets you free, you'll be free indeed. So, so I put all of that into the idea of setting sail. And the bottom line is, I just wanted you to see it. When I walked through that about a month and a half ago, I was like, holy cow. I mean, we actually did most of that stuff. It, it was really fascinating. And I thought, our church needs to see this because it lets you know that we're actually moving the ball down the road 
post-pandemic, one of the things we did right as a church, and, and I, when I say we, I mean every single one of you. A lot of churches freaked out, and I get it. But during that pandemic, we said, we're not stopping. We're going to push on the gas and figure out whatever it is we can figure out. We're going to keep moving. And today, you just saw a year's worth of work that I believe is there because we didn't back down. And we, did, and we didn't let the whole world tell us what to do. We, we pushed in. We went. And so I'm excited, man. All right. Is obviously a little bit different today. It's a great day to be at Clearview, and um, we've been in this church series. This is Jerry Thomas, my good man, Jerry, and this is the, the wonderful Lottie Moongrave right here. Uh, Kim, sorry, I'm sorry, Kim Margrave uh, is <coughs> what? <coughs> well, I don't know where that came from. Um, it, it, it might be a sign on the outside of her door. I don't know. Um, so, huh? Not now. <laughs> she moved it, yeah. We often refer to Kim as uh, Tennessee's Lottie Moon. I'm going to time out. Um, I'm, I'm about to choke. Let me get uh, some water here. Okay. Um, we've been in this church series, and today is is really no better time than to talk about this. We spent the first several months on the one another's and then we kind of made a transition into <laughs> the role of the church as a whole. In the next few months, we're going to be looking at what does, I think the lifesaver got me, um, what does the, the church actually do? We, we worked with the relational side of church, now we're moving into what is the, the, the big C, the, the kingdom of God, what do we actually do? Today we're going to talk about what does it mean to be a church up close? And if you've got a Bible, I want you to go to Matthew chapter 8. Uh, we're going we're gonna to go there as kind of a preamble to, to what we're talking about with Kim and Jerry up here today. I would, uh, I'm going to read this passage to you. And I'm not... There's just a couple of words that jumped off the page to me here. As I was looking at this weeks ago. In Matthew, it's the first gospel. If you, you're kind of in the middle of your Bible, slightly to the right, Matthew. Uh, if you're on a tablet or a phone, I use the NASB if you want to go word for word with me. It says, uh, Matthew chapter 8, verse 1, When Jesus came down from the mountain, large crowds followed him, and a leper came to him. Now, let's stop for a second. You've got to realize, there was no person more off limits than a leper. Just know that. In fact, lepers were forced by law that when you got within so many feet of them, you were to scream out, unclean, don't, don't get near me. Can you imagine? Like, it, just imagine the shame that you would have to know that by law you had to yell at everybody. What your, whatever personal health condition you have right now, you had to disclose that 
every time you see somebody got within 10, 15 feet of you. That's pretty heavy, isn't it? So it says, he bowed down before Jesus and he says, Lord, if you're willing, you can make me clean. And Jesus stretched out his hand and he touched him. He said, I am willing to be clean, be cleansed. And immediately his leprosy was cleansed. And Jesus said to him, see that you tell no one, but go and show yourself to the priest and present the offering that Moses commanded as a testimony to them. The story moves on. It says, when Jesus came to Capernaum, a centurion came to him. It's a, a very noble person and high-ranking person, and, and it says they came to him, and he said, Lord, my servant is laying paralyzed at home, fearfully tormented. And Jesus said, I will come and heal him. And the centurion said, Lord, I'm not worthy for you to come under my roof, but just say the word, and my servant will be healed. And I, I'm also a man under authority with soldiers under me, and and I say to this soldier, go, and they go. And I say, this one, come, and he comes. And I say do, to my slave, do this, and they do it. And when Jesus heard this in verse 10, he says, he marveled, and he said to those that were following, truly I say to you, I've not found such great faith in all of Israel. One of the interesting things about Jesus that here you see is, is he, he, he operated differently. And, and and I, I want to show you what I think that the average American Christian, or I, let me even back it up. I won't, I won't even go so far as to say Christian because I don't really know where they would stand with God. I would say the average American church grower, and I'm not church goer, and I'm not speaking in code. I'm not speaking secretly to clear view. I'm saying just that the average American church goer I think resembles this picture. I think, I think that they engage the kingdom from a distance. That's what I, by, by my observation, that's a really great image of the average American churchgoer. Is that, is that they sit on the margins expecting the same connection with the kingdom, the, those that are in the middle. They, they sit on the margins and they watch everybody else play the game, and then they, but they wonder why they don't feel connected. I can't tell you the number of times in in 30 years of Christian ministry that I have heard people say phrase like, I'm just not connecting. Well, in my first response in the flesh is, well, you would actually have to show up, you know, to do that. I mean, I'm just being real with you. You'd actually have to come to stuff, you know, for that to happen. And that's probably a little hard. That may not have been anointed, but it was the truth. Um, and I would say to you, go back to my picture of the, of the girl. I would say to you, don't be like most people. Don't be like most people. Don't, don't sit on the margins of life expecting the same return of those that are in the middle of the game. There's one thing that I, I as an athlete, that I, I can tell you. Um, I've never seen an athlete, a true athlete, man or woman, I've never seen a competitor that enjoyed the sidelines. I mean, it was known that Peyton Manning, when they would, like the game would be, they'd be up by four touchdowns, whether he played for UT or played for the Colts or played for, the, for Denver. It, it didn't matter what was happening. When, and they were up by two or three touchdowns. They would say, hey, we're going to send, send in your backup. He said, no, you're not. He'd play to the last second. He couldn't stand it. I, you know, I had a theory. Um, here's how I got my letter in, uh, in, in middle school football. I, I realized that Coach Mullins was going to get mad at somebody at some point. And he got mad a lot. And so I thought, if I'll just stand by Coach Mullins, 
He'll probably send me into the game if every time he turns around, he sees me. Well, it turns out that worked because you only had to get one play to get a quarter. If you played one play, you got participation for a whole quarter. And you only needed like 15 quarters to get a letter. And I'm like, all I've got to do is get sent in 15 times throughout the season and I'm going to letter. Right? I'm not competitive, um, you know. So, so I thought I'll try it. So I stood right by Coach Mullins and he would grab me by the collar all the time. He'd go, go get him. And, and it could be a running back, a tailback, it could be a safety, it could be anybody. Because what he wanted to do was he wanted to chew them out and then send them back on the field, but he would send me in there. And so they hated to see me coming, right? Because they knew, uh-oh, but I got a letter. And I was the only seventh grader that did, because I'm good. Um, but, but, you know, my, my point in sharing that with you is there's nothing worse than watching everybody else have the fun. There's nothing worse. We were not built for spectating, friends. We were not built for it. Now, you don't have to be as lunatic, competitive as I am. In fact, I pray to God you are not. We have keys to freedom studies that can help you with that. (laughs) But I would say to you, look at what Jesus said, I will come. Did you notice that statement? I'll come. Did you notice he said the statement, I'm willing. I'll go do it. I'll heal him. Did you see that statement? Did you notice that 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 just rose off the page to me? I'll go. Be healing, I'll go. I can do that. I'm sent to do that, actually. Jesus wasn't content. See, here's the thing about Jesus. Jesus did not change the world from a distance. And if you don't leave here with anything else today, that's what I would ask you. Just lock that in your, in your soul. Jesus did not change the world from a distance. You just saw a year's worth of ROI for Clearview, a year's worth of return. And I only mentioned a little bit of it. What I'm so proud of all of you is that we didn't change our town from a distance. We, we stepped into the middle. And I love that. Because, you know, in the model prayer, when Jesus is praying he, uh, uh, the, the, the Lord's Prayer, he says, Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your church come, your church be done. No way he didn't. No, he didn't, did he? What did he say? He said, Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Jesus never said, Jesus never said, Thy church come, thy church be done. Building a campus was not on Jesus' radar people were. Campuses are great. I love campuses. We have an amazing one here. I love that we use it. But I'm telling you, friends, that's not the end game. Jesus didn't change the world from a distance. We changed, when, when, when he came to the leper, right, when, he, when the leper came up to him, the first thing he did, if you notice in verse 3, it says he stretched out his hand and he touched him. He didn't have to because do you notice that he healed the centurion's servant from a distance? Do you notice that? He spoke it, and they were healed from a distance. But to the lever, he let everybody see, I am going to touch this person that nobody will touch. I'm going to. See, Jesus didn't change the world from a distance. He could have spoken to that leper, and the leprosy be gone. Hey, I know he wanted the world to see we are meant to engage 
But what happens so often is people engage the, they want to engage the kingdom of God from a distance. So what, what's happened, at least in, in, in my lifetime, I've seen this happen, and I'm not saying it's exclusive with every church because it isn't. But what I've seen in American Christianity is something changed. See, there was a time, I'm preaching now, time out. Um, I'm going to get to y'all for a minute. Um, they're used to this stuff. I do this like all the time. You know, I go on, that's my, I get paid to pontificate, so that's, uh, you know, I use it. Um, what you see, at least in my career, is there was a time, for those of you that grew up in the 40s and the 50s and the 60s, we're not going to ask for a show of hands for you, you don't have to panic. But for those of you that grew up in the 40s, 50s, 60s, and I would even go so far as say the 70s, the church back then had a sense that, that we had a responsibility to society. We set up colleges, we set up hospitals, orphanages, we were on the streets. Man, I'll never forget when I was, um, when I pastored Belmont Heights in the the early 2000s, my uncle was a retired Metro police officer, and he started like in the early 60s. And I haven't asked Uncle Morris this, but but, um, I mean, he wasn't making it up. He said, Jason, if I'm not mistaken, in like the 40s and 50s and 60s, there were about three or four pastors that, that if you wanted to show a movie in town, you had to pass it through those pastors. And that church was one of them. You had to go to the pastors to say, can we show this? I don't know if y'all know, they don't do that anymore. See, I don't think so much that society left us. I think we gave it away. I think we gave it away. And that may be the whole world, but it doesn't have to be us. Right? Doesn't have to be us. The whole world may be a declining church, but we don't have to play. We don't have to play that game. See, because what happens in in the last 30 years of my life, this is kind of the model for what's happened in churches. Let's go to the next image. It's church people doing church things on church property. That's kind of what you see. Church people doing church stuff on church property for church people. And if we keep doing that, you realize that is an endless cycle of death. Because we're just feeding ourselves. Jesus didn't change the world from a distance. He changed the world by engaging. So enter my two friends here. Uh, Kim and Jerry Um, we're swapping them out so I want to show you about this project that we're going to launch out we're going to announce it today called uh, Rebuilding in Waverly, Tennessee so as you know Waverly was hit with a massive massive flood it was kind of like a tsunami um, that lasted only a short amount of time a big wall of water it, there's a lot of reasons we could tell you that it happened but it's pretty interesting a, a train trussle gave way and it was kind of acting as a unintentional uh, uh, levee across the town and when it broke uh, this big wall of water uh, eight feet high six eight feet high Jerry came through the town and just wrecked it so Kim and I and Jerry went down there the other day with Will Gamble and and uh, we went and looked around, and Jerry's been down there quite a bit. So I'm going to turn this over to Jerry Thomas. Jerry is an amazing man of God. Nancy Thomas, he's actually, we refer to him as Nancy's husband. That's his normal type. Um, so Jerry, tell us, let's start. I mean, we've got a couple of pictures for Waverly. Just, these are just it, very simple ones. Let's, show, go, let's go to the next image. That just, I, we can show you thousands of people. That's what the water did to push, go to the next one, to push 
uh, in, uh, you know, vehicles into homes, and there, there's just tons of images like that. It was a disaster. Um, so in this we, we Rebuilding Waverly Project, Jerry, why don't we start with, um, we know the catastrophe was real. Why don't you tell them what, what are we going to do? How are we, we going to respond to that? So um, August 21st, this month, marks the one-year anniversary of this disaster. Clearview wants to build a house. And um, <clears throat> Appalachian Service Project, ASP, um, has stepped up to build 35 houses. They That's do, the partner organization. They're a partner organization with Tennessee Baptist. So think of a Habitat for Humanity, sort of, kind of. Right. They're good at what they do, and um, money comes to um, ASP from about four sources, including the government. ASP puts in about 45000 when it's all added up, they're about $15,000 short of being able to build one house for one family. Right. Clearview has stepped up to help with that. Yeah. And um, we also want to do more. We want to be physically present and be in the community. And um, we're going to be recruiting some teams to go out. So what I love about Jerry Thomas is um, I was just on our uh, Montana trip with Jerry, and we were talking one night, and he and he. He, what I love about it is what he, he said, um, I'm not too far from retirement, and I can't wait because then I can actually go do some stuff, you know, um, for the kingdom of God. I love it when I see somebody who's awake, and Jerry is awake, and I love that about him. Kim, from a missions committee standpoint, how have we engaged this process? Well, the missions committee, um, through the impact fund, approved the $15,000, and they've already gotten the check in Waverly, and so um, we, uh, Jerry's going to take point on this, but we need folks to go over to spend a day, it's about an hour and 15 minutes from here, we can go spend the day doing various projects, if you want to go spend two or three days, we've got uh, First Baptist Waverly has opened their doors for the last year to host volunteers overnight at no cost, and then the um, Church of Christ in town for the last year have been serving three meals a day to every volunteer group that's come in. So um, we've got the ability to go for a day or to go for multiple days if you want to spend the night. Or again, it's just an hour and 15 minutes. But we're going to need teams of all skill sets from framing to painting to landscaping. And so there's there's opportunity for everybody to, to pitch in. One of the things I noticed when we went on our we, we drove down there a few days ago, and uh, about maybe a month ago, we, we drove down. And what was so cool, there was some team from Indiana um, and some team from Iowa. No, Illinois. Illinois, and then there was a team from Iowa. And, they, and, and these were men and women. Uh, they're like, I was talking to one lady. She's like, I don't know the first thing about framing a, a house. Uh, it's like, but I can, I can go get tools, you know, and, and be a runner, you know. And it was, they're building these houses like in no time and it's really fascinating to watch it happen um jerry with when when we look at kind of over the next they want this thing to be done when this this particular home so there's five houses in in process right now um, two have families where they've already moved in four moved in this week so all the way up to 35 houses this is an ongoing project uh, we see Clearview being able to participate for three or four months, and we want to try to form teams every week, every other week, 
based on availability and skills. What's great about this, you guys, is that you, if you can only give a half day, that's wonderful. But some of you can give a whole weekend. Some of you can, can give a whole week. Uh, we can accommodate. All, all, there's all kinds of flexibility in that, right? And, and so it is one of those things that I, I, I just can't imagine anything more neat than watching all of us be the people of God to put people in a house. Um, you know, it, it's, there's just something so redemptive about that. Um, it's, it's truly reaching the world locally from reaching them locally and not from a distance. We're stepping into the middle. Uh, and don't think that you have to be skilled in all this. Like I said, there's, there's all kinds of ways. I, I want to get my sons involved. I, I want my sons to see missions up close, even if, if I may go on multiple trips with them down there, but I want to take Cole and Tuck and, and, and watch them. I want them to see early that they can do something, even if it's just walking around talking to people. One of the things that really stuck out to me was their whole school. Was it the middle school or elementary? They've lost 40% of their schools. They're, those kids in Waverly are going to school somewhere else. They can't even think about the teachers, the jobs. All that, that community was devastated by this. Um, Jerry, when you, when you look at, at, in your mind, like what, what do some wins look like on this for us as a, as a, as a church? You know, every hour that we log, um, every siding, Every house that we put siding on, every floor we sweep, every lawn we landscape, there's something for everyone here. Um, a win is to be able to, um, to complete a few months of consistent service. Well, Kim, what would you want to say to our people about this? When you, you think about Waverly, um, it's about the people. Um, we saw a video recently where the sheriff addressed the community after the flood, and his question was asked, how long will it take for us to get back to normal? He said, maybe a year. He said, I was wrong. He said, it will probably take three to five years. These are people that have lost everything. Um, we had groups going over and just cleaning out yards uh, back in January and February, and they were still finding personal items so, you know, it's about the people. It's about restoring hope in the people in, in Waverly through sharing the love of Christ through building home. And we're going to get to do that. Um, th this is one, of the, one thing I love about what Jerry's spearheading with and working with Kim on this. This is an everybody project. There's nobody at Clearview that can't do this. Nobody. Every one of us can, can do this. And so I just think this is a great extension of who we are. So if you go to our website, you're going to see that icon, clearview.org backslash events. Now, Kim, <clears throat> Jerry, when, when they go there, as I look through it, basically you're just saying, look, just get your information in there. And what happens after that? So week by week, we make plans. We have uh, recurring calls with the leadership at ASP, and we find out where the activity, where the address is what's needed for that week and we match it up. Okay. So today, even today, we'll take your name and contact information on a clipboard. We'll have some of these sites up. The registration process actually is part of ASP okay. for volunteers. So Appalachian Service Project is ASP. And so what I would say to you friends is do, do, do this, okay? 
Like, if you're not sure if you should do this, the answer is yes. You should. That's the answer. If you're not, what, what do I do? What you do is you go. You go. That's it. Just go. And, and don't, don't think somebody else will do it. Somebody else won't. You know, this is for us to do. It's right, it's right in our backyard. And so if you would do us a favor today, go to that website, put your information in. Now, now I'm asking, you may not call their name for several months. Like, because with their skill set, they may not be needed till step four, right? So is, is that fair to say? Yeah, as soon as we know what job is needed, then we'll look at that list and we'll try to match up. Okay. And Jason, we have a, a new trailer. It's the disaster recovery trailer. Um, it's, today it's outfitted for chainsaws, but we're gonna put on construction um, gear. We're gonna load it up and that'll be how we operate with our tools on site. Yeah, it's gonna be great, you guys. Hey, you know what let's do? This is church up close, right? This is, let's, let's take it to them and let's let them know that this is one of those distressed counties that was distressed before the flood, okay? It's what Governor Lee calls a distressed county. It was distressed before the flood. Now it's really bad. So we can do this. This is, this is who Clearview is. We were a mission church. That's how we started. You know, you often don't think about sharing something with somebody like a tweet or an email or sending them a sermon or sending them a podcast. You don't often think of that as missions, but it is. It's not that you have to send it to the whole world or post every single thing we do at Clearview on your feed. But if, if you've heard a sermon or if you've listened to a podcast, think through your life. I mean, God, who needs to hear this? Sometimes it, it, it doesn't need to go on your Facebook page. Sometimes it needs to go on your Twitter. But sometimes just a simple text to one person can make all the difference in the world is sending them the Word of God in real time. Share it. You'd be surprised how far it goes.